Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks for Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. Jay Zawoski with you here. It is game day. The Hawks face off against the San Jose Sharks tonight at the United Center. 7 o'clock start on that one. Make sure you mark that. Usually a 7.30 home game. Nope, 7 o'clock tonight. So don't miss the first half hour of the game unless, you know, you just sort of checked out. And if you've checked out, you can skip the games. Just don't skip the podcasts. That's all I care about. Make sure you listen to Lockdown Blackhawks and, of course, the Madhouse Podcast. Want to get in touch? Easy to do. 708-653-0572 is the voicemail number. Email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. My personal account at jzawoski670. And, of course, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. Before we preview the San Jose Sharks, we've got a couple things we're going to do on today's show. Some news and notes from practice, Jeremy Cowton talked about Brandon Hagel's arrival to the team, what he expects to see from him on the ice. He was recalled today. Uh, talks a little bit about what they've been working on in practice, and it actually makes quite a bit of sense if you've been watching the Hawks this season. We're also going to scout Nicholas Bodan, who was recalled on Tuesday and is expected to make his debut uh, tonight against the San Jose Sharks, a first-round pick from 2017 or 2018 i'm good at this i'm prepared look how prepared i am i know stuff off the top of my head without truly i'm really right now not just killing time to go through my email yes he was the 27th overall pick in 2018 this season with rockford 15 points in 59 games we're going to talk to greg boyson of the hockey writers he is our uh, Rockford Icehogs correspondent. He's going to give us a nice scouting report on Bodan, and we'll catch up on the Icehogs a little bit as well. So, a lot to get to in a short amount of time. Going to start things off here with some audio from Jeremy Cowton. I don't know if he just talks quietly or what, so there's a little bit of hiss here, but Cowton goes into what they were working on at practice on Tuesday, and uh, I thought it was something you'd like to hear because it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Like I said, give it a listen. A lot of it's just repetition and, and being clean. We got to be way cleaner with the puck. Uh, you know, we're working on in practice today. We're not clean enough. It's uh, no pressure. We got to go tape to tape. Um, if if uh, you're having trouble going tape to tape with no pressure, it's going to be tough when it's five on five. So uh, we got to keep focusing on it. And uh, you know, obviously, those guys who are out, uh, that could it's a strength of theirs. But we got to find a way. Nothing earth-shattering there, but I guess it's a little bit encouraging to hear that the Blackhawks head coach is sort of seeing the same things we are. And like I said after Sunday's game on Monday's podcast, the St. Louis Blues pressured the Hawks into a lot of those bad passes and those inaccurate plays and the lack of quote-unquote crispness that Cowan was talking about there, but it's not just against good opponents. I'm telling you, there are games where their passes are on the tape and crisp, and those are the games they look formidable in. Not just like, okay, they're probably a playoff team, but like, wow, if they play like this every night, there's no team they can't beat, right? They've had a handful of games like that this season, right? I think most people would agree with that. There's been maybe 10 of games where you're like, holy crap, where has this team been all year where everything is clicking, everything's working, and they look great. There's been just as many games where they can't complete a pass to a guy three feet to their left or right. Passes are in the feet, at the skates, off the stick, behind the skater, off sides, whatever. 
And to me, that's been kind of the biggest issue is their precision with the puck. And yeah, this team has lost some skill since the dynasty era. There's no doubt about that. And Jeremy Cowan just sort of alluded to the other factor where a lot of their better puck movers have been injured lately. Now, look, Brent Seabrook, good puck mover. Much better earlier in his career than he is now, but that's legit. Calvin DeHaan was an okay puck mover. But aside from that, I don't know. Are there a lot of guys? I know losing Gustafson definitely hurt in that department, but they were looking that way while Gustafson was still here. So let's make no mistake there. So it is something I'm glad they're working on. I just don't know how you can duplicate an in-game situation in a practice. And it is sort of a matter of, it's a fine line of coming out with your pants on fire, you know, just skating recklessly, skating wildly, and having no control. And then, or coming out too placidly, as they've done from time to time, where it looks like it takes them a good eight, nine, ten minutes to wake up and get into the game as part of that feeling out process. But so often, when they've had those slow starts, they've fallen behind one nothing or two nothing or whatever and it's almost an impossible hole to climb out of so how do you duplicate game situations in practice how do you improve your puck management in game that's kind of the question and i think it's it's almost like an awareness of it just taking that extra tick to make sure you're making the right pass make sure you're making the right play And sometimes those little seconds of hesitation can be harmful because you're not reacting. You're not reading the play. You're not following your instinct. But if they can clean up some of the sloppy passes by 10, 15%, then to me it's totally worth it. And it totally makes sense to do what they're – look, they should be working on the crispness of their passes anyway. But the fact that it was a focus in practice on Tuesday – that tells me that tells me that it's something that has been pinpointed by the coaching staff and needs addressing. Is it too late? Probably. Yes, it's probably too late. But, you know, uh, it, it is something that has been a problem with them all season, with the Blackhawks all season. And, you know, part of it is they're just an inconsistent team all around. It's not just the passing. It's not just the defending. The only thing that's really been consistent all year has been the goal, the goaltending with Crawford and with Leonard. That's really the only thing that you could say on a night-to-night basis was reliable. I guess you, you have to say the penalty kill has been pretty good as well. But aside from that, there's nights where they look like an unstoppable offensive juggernaut, and there's nights where they look like they couldn't score if they had 100 shots on goal. And a lot of that those games where they look disinterested or they look sloppy or they look bored or whatever, however you want to define it, those are those games when the passes aren't working out and the attention to detail isn't there and the Hawks' talent gap is such that they can't afford to have games where they're not sharp and they're not totally focused on what they need to do. They've got to be almost perfect, as perfect as they can be anyway with the talent they have every night to stand a chance and because they haven't been this year that's why we're very likely looking at a third consecutive season with no playoffs hey if you've been a listener of this podcast i'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with locked on to reach sports fans but you may not know that locked on blackhawks is a great way for your local business 
to reach passionate Hawks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. I'm sure you're a business owner. You want to connect with local Hawks fans with a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income. That's the dream, right? Then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777. Or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. It is game day. The Blackhawks face off against the San Jose Sharks tonight at 7 o'clock at the United Center. Remember that 7 p.m. start, not 7.30 Let's go behind enemy lines. It has been a while since we've taken a deep look at an opponent, just sort of the way the schedule has worked out. The San Jose Sharks, after 69 games, nice, are 29-35-5 with 63 points. Comparatively, the Blackhawks 31-30-8 with 70 points in 69 games as well. Over their last 10, San Jose is 3-6-1. The Blackhawks are 5-5-0. Uh, so yeah, they're neither team doing great right now. The Hawks a little bit better. Here's a little bit of a surprise. Looking at the Corsi four percentages at five on five over the last ten games, like I told you, the Sharks are three six and one over those last ten. They are fourth in the NHL in Corsi four percentage with the fifty three point nine zero percentage rate. The Blackhawks, on the other hand, are twenty second with a forty eight point four four Corsi four percentage. Uh, which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. When we look at the high danger scoring chances for the San Jose Sharks, again, fourth, 57.23% over their last 10 games, 95 high danger chances for 71 against. That's good on both ends. The Blackhawks comparatively are 24th in the league with a 46.70, 99 high danger chances for 113 against Woo, that is rough. That's a lot of chances against for the Blackhawks. Looking over the last 10 games, yes, the Hawks have the most high-danger chances allowed over the last 10 with 113. The Rangers 111, the Sabres 110, the Jets 108, the Oilers 108, the Predators 108. So the Hawks on top of the league over the last 10 games at allowing high-danger scoring chances. Let's take a look at the San Jose Sharks statistical leaders. No super high scores on the Sharks this season uh, sort of makes sense as they're towards the bottom of the Western Conference. They are literally one point out of the basement in the Western Conference. Oh, by the way, by the way, I know it's weird to do this after they just beat the Blackhawks, but the Red Wings have officially, as if it was ever in doubt, they've officially clinched the worst possible record in the National Hockey League on Tuesday night. Updating the Red Wings standings, 17-49-5 with a minus-122 goal differential. All right, back to the Sharks. Timo Meyer leads them in scoring 47 points and 21 goals in 69 games. Evander Kane has 45 points, 25 goals in 63 games. Brent Burns, defenseman, 45 points in 69 games, 12 goals of his own. Eric Carlson, 40 40 points, 6 goals, 34 assists. And Logan Couture, 39 points in 52 games. So like I said, no great scorers uh, 
on the San Jose Sharks. They're just not a team that fills the net very often. They've got a lot of guys that can do it. They've got some depth of scoring, but no, you know, Patrick Kane type points per game sort of uh, scores like th- like they do. Let's, let's we haven't recapped the Blackhawks stats in a while, so why don't we do that now? If the season ended today, Patrick Kane would be a point per game. No, that doesn't make sense. Here's what I'm trying to say. Patrick Kane has 82 points in 69 games. So he's guaranteed himself to be a point-per-game player. Very, very good. Jonathan Taves, after a bit of a slow start, 58 points in 69 games. That's 18 goals, 40 assists. Dominic Kubelik, 45 points in 67 games, but 29 of those are goals. Patrick Kane, 31 goals for reference. So Dominic Kubelik is right there. And there is a possible scenario where Kubelik leads the team in goals at the end of the season. Pretty amazing. Alex Debrinkit, fourth on the team in scoring, 42 points, 18 goals. Dylan Strom with 37 points, but that is in 57 games. So quietly, Dylan Strom continues to rack up points. Yeah, you know, I I know that people have soured on him a little bit because he's not been healthy, but he's got 37 points in 57 games, a minus one. I don't know. I, this is a this this offseason decision is not easy. Brandon Saab with 32 points, 20 goals, 12 assists, and uh, Duncan Keith, 25 points of his own, two goals, 23 assists for Keith. So that's where the Blackhawks are checking in on the rookies. Alex Nylander, 24 points in 69, I'm sorry, 64 games, nine goals, 15 assists. He's a minus four. Kirby Dock in 63 games has eight goals and 14 assists for 22 points. And then you have uh, Adam Boquist, 13 points in 41 games for him so rookies have been getting better the points have been going up interesting that Nylander has one more goal and one more assist in one more game than Kirby Doc and we compare how we feel about the two guys right well one of them is 18 and six foot four and looks like he's going to be a stud for years to come and one guy is a guy on a second organization who more often than not makes you want to put your head through a wall so there's a difference for me I don't know what the difference is for you but uh yeah, the numbers are, are similar, but the performance night to night has not been. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My next guest is Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers. He has his eye on all things Ice Hogs all year long. The Blackhawks have called up Nicholas Bodan and Brendan Hagel. Want to get a scouting report on both of those guys. Greg, thank you so much for joining me. I know it is a late night for you. You were out doing your trivia nights. Uh, so thanks for joining me late here so we can record this and get it out for the Lockdown listeners on Wednesday. Appreciate your time, man. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. My pleasure. So Nicholas Bodan is the big story today. Uh, unclear whether or not at this point anyway he will play on Wednesday or not. But a guy who was drafted in the first round in 2018 along with Adam Boquist and didn't obviously accelerate at the pace that Boquist did, but it felt like about halfway through this year, some hope started to form behind uh, Bodan. What can you tell us about his season, how you've seen his development going so far? Well, there definitely has been a steady progression from October to now. That's been evident. Um, He, you know, when he was drafted, everybody touted him for his offensive numbers that he put up. Uh, playing in the Quebec Junior League, but you know, any I think you and I could probably score thirty goals in that league. That's not they don't play defense there, so those numbers, you know, 
have not transferred over, and that was expected. And there's a big difference from jumping from juniors right into the pro game, even at the AHL level. So early in the year, there were a lot of mistakes, but the type of mistakes any young defenseman and even veteran defensemen make, you know, all the time. Um, but the key was he didn't repeat a lot of those mistakes. You know, you still see him from time to time, you know, uh, forcing a pass up the middle of the ice or, you know, succumbing to pressure on the forecheck, a failed clearing attempt. But those are not as frequent as they were in the beginning of the year, which is a good sign. And um, the offense is slowly getting there. Um, it really wasn't much of a thing early in the season. I think he kind of was so worried about how he performed without the puck that it affected his game with the puck, which is fine at that level. You know, you want to impress as a defenseman. Um, it's There's nothing wrong with trying to be really good at defense first and then letting the offense come as it shows up. But that's you've seen more confidence from him. Um, there are games where you don't even notice he's on the ice, and that's not necessarily a bad thing at that position because usually with defensemen, especially young ones, you only notice them when they're doing something really bad or really good. So if you don't notice them, they're doing their job. Um, his positioning is, is is fine. His skating is, is above average. He's not as an accomplished skater as Adam Boquist is, but he's better than most. And, um, you know, the one thing Derek King has told me many times the past two years is, it's that jump up. The biggest adjustment is the speed. You know, whether you're coming from juniors into the AHL or the AHL or the NHL, that that speed is a big adjustment. And he may struggle with that um, if he gets in, but I think he's got the, the the footwork to adjust to that quickly and adapt. So I I think he's deserved a look, regardless of how short it is. Hopefully, it's not too long because the Ice Hounds are are battling for a playoff spot and they really could use him. But uh, I think it's a nice little reward for a good season where he's worked hard and he's progressed and give him a couple games at the NHL level and send him back down. Let me ask you this, and I know, Greg, you also have a uh, – you're a scout. You're a hockey scout as well. So you're looking at players all the time. You're evaluating players all the time. What is it that Nicholas Bodan does well? Like, what is the thing – what what part of his game is the best and what part of his game is probably the, the you know, farthest behind – from where it needs to be? Um, his best ability is his vision and passing. He has a weak level ice vision and, and hockey IQ, hockey smarts, whatever you want to call it. He sees the ice very well when he has the puck, and he makes very good passes, tape to tape, breakout passes. He gets the puck moving the other way, um, which is all that's what you want in today's NHL. You want quick passes out of the zone, getting the puck going up the other way. He can do that. Um, his, his biggest liability, um, besides needing to, to fill out a little bit more, but that's going to come with age. Um, you know, he, he could be stronger defensively. He does get pushed around a little bit, but that's something that can improve, you know, with better technique, better coaching, and of course, adding on to some size as he gets older, but we're still talking about a kid that hasn't even fully matured yet, so not too worried about that, but the the passing is there. I think he could be a very effective power play uh, quarterback in the future, and uh, and, and lead the rush up. He's kind of got that, that passing and rush ability reminds me, you know, of a younger Brian Campbell a little bit. Okay, so just sort of judging from what your evaluation there, you think Bodan is maybe, if not right now, but next year or a year after that, 
a legit NHL player? Would you say a, a top four or would be more of a bottom pair guy? How do you see his, uh, at least the early part of his career, career playing out in the NHL? I would definitely have him at least one more year in the AHL before. I don't think he's ready for an NHL next season, um, but we have to see where the Hawks are at. You know, if you go complete, blow it up, complete rebuild, then maybe you put him out there. But if you can afford to give him another season in the AHL to to work on those weaknesses and, and hone his skills, that would be ideal for him. Um, I think when he first comes up, he he would probably be, you know, a, a bottom pairing and then progressively work his way up. Um, obviously, uh, Boquist is your top pair guy of the future, your puck mover, your Duncan Keith type player. Um, as he improves with his defense, but he's that elite skater, passer, offensive defenseman on your top pairing. At least that's what you hope. And Bodine can slot in on the second pairing in that same role where he won't be as good, he won't be as dynamic as Boquist, but he definitely can be pretty good. Another guy called up on Monday on an emergency basis uh, was Brendan Hagel. And he had been called up before but never got the chance to play for the Hawks, uh, Jeremy Cowlton on Tuesday described him as a scrappy player, a guy who's going to work hard, who's going to compete hard, but put up some points at the AHL level. Uh, I think he would he had 30, 31 points in 59 games with 19 goals, so he's got some scoring prowess. What can Hawks fans expect from Hagel? I fell in love with Brandon Hagel this season. I didn't know much about him coming into the season, the fact that he scored a ton of points up in the WHL, but again, that those, and a lot of people do that. Um, but he's just got that game. He's got that game where it's hard not to like him. If you picture, I'm going to say this politely as I can to not <laughs> upset anybody who owns a 65 Jersey who's listening. Imagine Andrew Shaw that could actually skate and shoot. Wow. He, he's got some speed. He's got a really good shot, a quick release. He's, and he, he's actually his his passing has improved a lot this year. He's made a couple of really nice passes recently. The, his last game here against the Wolves on Sunday, he set up a late tying goal by he had his shot blocked. He stayed with it, got it back at the bottom of the left circle, and fired across to a wide open uh, Mackenzie Etwistle for an easy tying goal with five minutes to go. So he's got the passing ability too. Um, he's not going to be an all-star by any means, but he's that guy that winning teams need, that guy on your third line that could score 20 goals but also play with a little bit of grit. He's not afraid of anybody. He's smaller, uh, a smaller player, but he doesn't back down from anybody. He's He'll go in the corner. He'll take that big hit and pop right back up and go right back to the front of the net. Um, so he gives you that energy, that quote-unquote jam or grit that you look for in your bottom six, but he can provide some scoring. He's scored at every level he's been at. He leads the Ice Hogs with 19 goals right now. Uh, I definitely think he could be a bottom six NHL player and be a decent one, um, you know, if everything goes right for him. But he's another one of those players that the Ice Hogs really could use if they're going to try and get in the Calder Cup playoffs. And a Calder Cup playoff run would be huge in, in Hagel's development to try and get him some playoff hockey under his belt. All right, Greg Boyson, before we wrap up, one more question for you. Uh, we've seen Lucas Carlson up here for a few games. Uh, got injured but practiced on Tuesday. Jeremy Counton sounded hopeful that if he doesn't play on Wednesday, he could be playing by this weekend. Uh, we've sort of, I think, consensus from Hawks fans has been kind of impressed with his poise with the puck 
with his heads up skating ability, his sort of it just sort of has you mentioned it with Bodan, like it seems like he has a high hockey IQ. You've seen a lot more of Lucas Carlson than than most of our listeners. Uh how do you see him playing out? It's kind of a name that stuck up stuck up on us a little bit this season, I think. Yeah, he's definitely not doesn't have the hype behind him as a Bodine or a Bolquist or even an Ian Mitchell who's not even here yet. Those are the names you've heard. Um, and Carlson's another one of those guys that from when he first got to North America last year, so from October of 2018 to now, has made such a vast improvement in his overall game. He's got tremendous vision. He's got great hands, great passer, and he's got a really, really sneaky good shot from the blue line. He's scored quite a few goals the last two years from from the from the point or the top of the circle, especially on the power play. He can just quickly fire off a snapshot that can get through traffic. And his defensive uh game has picked up really well. So I was very happy for him and he's a nice he's a nice kid on top of that. It's very easy to root for after you've talked to him a few times. And his progression has been great. He's he's 100% earned his time with the Blackhawks, and hopefully he gets back in there. Honestly, those times that they were recalling Gilbert over him, I didn't understand it. I mean, I get that Gilbert brings in physical presence, but that's about it at this point, where Carlson can actually give you some offense and stop the other team from scoring too, which is the most important part of his job. One thing you you sort of led me there, you've mentioned Bodan's development. You mentioned Carlson's development. It sounds like we got to give some credit to Derek King and his staff down at Rockford. They're doing a pretty fine job of bringing some players along and getting them NHL ready. Would you agree? Yeah, I think he's done pretty good. Um, you know, and you've, you've had Brian Campbell down there quite a bit this year behind the bench. He's not there every game, but uh, he'll, he'll show up in Rockford every once in a while. He's always at the games in Rosemont. I think he's been helping out. You know, when you've got – moving defensive prospects. I mean, who better to have work with them than a guy like Supi? So that's helped. But King's done a really good job. And I think, um, you know, talking with him after every game, he's a guy that kind of tells his guys what he expects from them. This is what I want to see from you guys. And mm. he's, he's told me many times that it's worked. The team is going best when he doesn't have to say a word on the bench where the guys are telling each other what to do. So he, he puts a lot more responsibility on the players, and I think that's paying off in the end where you know the, the, the team overall team results aren't that great, but it's been a crazy year with you know all the call-ups and injuries they've had. Um, but as far as overall development, he's, he's done a pretty good job. It's hard to complain with the results. Well, I wonder if the Hawks move on from Jeremy Cowden, if that's a name they would consider. I think they'd be pretty gun-shy about going back to Rockford just for the uh, sort of public reaction to it. But, hey, it sounds like he's a good communicator, and that is a head start on Jeremy Cowton because that was one of the main criticisms of him as he joined the league. A lot of the veteran guys didn't know. You know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but more for the listeners, um, that was a criticism a lot of the players had for, for JC was that they didn't know where they stood or what they were supposed to do and uh, put them behind the eight ball early. So maybe that Derek King could be a guy to keep an eye on down the road for Hawks fans. Greg, thanks for taking some time out. I know it's a late night. Go get some sleep, and we'll catch up with you soon, man. Hopefully uh, ahead of the Calder Cup playoffs, we'll get a nice preview of the Ice Hawks. We'd love to talk to you. Absolutely, anytime. That's Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers. Follow him on Twitter at Greg Boyson, B-O-Y-S-E-N. Great follow. Covers the Hawks. 
covers the Wolves, covers the Ice Hogs. He's also a scout for the St. Cloud Blizzard. He is a hockey human being, Greg Boyson. We love having him on the podcast for all things Ice Hogs. With that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. We will talk to you Thursday with full post-game reaction from the Hawks and Sharks game. Until then, have a great rest of your week, and make sure to check out the latest episode of Locked on NHL. In fact, ask your smart speaker to play Locked on NHL. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you Thursday morning.